If you're a leader or an aspiring leader in the business of lifelong learning, you're in the right place. I'm Salisa Steele. And I'm Jeff Cobb. And this is the Leading Learning Podcast. Hey there, and welcome to episode 151 of the Leading Learning Podcast. This time around, we talk with Dr. Bucky Dodd, the Chief Learning Innovation Officer at the University of Central Oklahoma and Director of the Institute for Learning Environment Design there. Before we turn to the conversation with Bucky, here's a message from Next Thought, our sponsor for the third quarter of 2018. Brought to you by Next Thought, AssociationsNext.com is your opportunity to learn from some leading thinkers in e-learning and membership organizations, as well as giving you the chance to test drive the Next Thought LMS platform. In this educational series, you'll uncover new knowledge about instructional design, digital strategy, and staying true to your organization's long-term goals in the face of rapid change. Kiki Latalian, Tracy King, and Lowell Applebaum lead the first three modules, and more courses will be added on a monthly basis. Visit associationsnext.com to enroll and experience the revolutionary Next Thought LMS for yourself. Definitely do check out associationsnext.com, but not right at this moment because now we're going to talk with Bucky Dodd. So, Salisa, can you give us a little bit of preview of what you and Bucky talked about? We talk about learning environment modeling, and this is an approach that Bucky's pioneered at the Institute for Learning Environment Design, or ILED for short. And, and then we get into learning environments and how they impact learning experiences and how they impact learning effectiveness. We also talk about learning technologies and how they've become more open over time and what that means for learning. And then we also talk some bigger picture about changes that Bucky's seen uh, in his work and that he sees on the horizon for lifelong and life-wide learning, as well as learning environments. Well, I have to say in the first place, you know, that he has a title like Chief Learning Innovation Officer, and then that he is the director of an organization that spends its time focusing on learning environment design. I'm definitely jealous. I'm definitely intrigued. Uh, let's go ahead and roll this interview with Dr. Bucky Dodd. Hello out there. I'm Salisa Steele. This is the Leading Learning Podcast, and today I'm joined by Dr. Bucky Dodd. Bucky is the Chief Learning Innovation Officer at the University of Central Oklahoma and Director of the Institute for Learning Environment Design, or ILED, there. And Bucky and ILED have experience working on innovation uh, in terms of instructional design. They work with initiatives uh, with organizations of all types, including education, business, nonprofit, associations, and government. Bucky, welcome to the Leading Learning Podcast. Thank you so much, Salisa. It's a, a pleasure to be here and joining you today. Well, so to start things off, I want to give you a chance to say more about yourself and, and your work, since I just gave the, the briefest uh, description there. So what would you add as background about your work and or the Institute for Learning Environment Design? Yeah, so, so I'll start a little bit about myself. I'm the, as you mentioned, the Chief Learning Innovation Officer for the university. And, and broadly defined, you know, that is really trying to find new ways of helping people learn. Um, we recognize that learners are coming at, uh, at learning experiences from all sorts of different situations. It very much is a, a, a lifelong learning life-wide process. And um, if we're going to be at the, the leading edge of that, we have to think about that from an innovation perspective. 
perspective. And so, um, you know, I take that responsibility um, in that role very seriously. And one of the the, um, the things that I get to do, the privileges, if you will, is to sort of lead our institute, or ILED, as you mentioned. And um, so we are a public nonprofit university institute. So we're a part of our uh, university here. And we're focused on helping organizations of all types uh, design learning experiences that make a difference for them. And so we, uh, I'm part of a team here that we provide consulting training, analytics solutions that help our clients uh, succeed. Um, and as an institute, we really found that we focus with our clients on their early stage visioning and planning. So as they're just beginning to think about that they need to re- reach new learners or engage them in new ways, uh, we often partner at that stage to be able to help them get solid plans uh, and get them started on, the, on a strong, uh, strong start there. Well, great. And I like that uh, idea of it being not just lifelong learning, but life-wide learning. Um, And and I know that the learning environment modeling, or LEM, is an area of focus for you. And and it's kind of the organizing principle behind the work done at ILED, or at least as as I understand it. So would you tell listeners what uh, LEM is and how it got its start? Yeah, absolutely. So this is something we're really excited about. So LIM actually started within our university as a way to help people uh, design uh, all sorts of learning experiences, primarily courses. Um, what we found that when people began that process, they they really didn't have a language to communicate what it was their strategy was or their design processes. And so um, we set out to try to fix this. And so we ended up creating a learning environment modeling after quite a few years of research, actually. Um, And it really, what it is, is a visual strategy and planning system uh, for designing learning experiences. So this could be something as simple as a um, as a webinar or a uh, or a a meeting even, or something as complex as an entire uh, certificate certificate program or design or, or entire organizations in some cases. And so it, it, it broadly is that visual language that connects the strategy, the design, and the data together. Um, and it gives us uh, tools that we can all be able to talk about learning in a far more concrete and visible way. And so how long has LEM been in use at this point? Yeah, so so the, the beginning parts of the, the research of LEM began back Back, you know, pre-2010, it was used internally for the university for several years. um, And then ILED was created about two years ago um, as a way to take what was so successful here and share it out to uh, the broadest audience possible, all the way from, you know, your typical, um, you know, schools or academic institutions. But actually, most of our work is done in adult and continuing education environments. Mm. And, and, you know, here's a question that maybe it would be useful for us to, to talk about sort of sooner rather than later. And, and just what's your um, thinking about kind of the difference between learning design and learning environment design? Yeah, that's a great question. And so, you know, if you sort of track back, you know, um, our field can sometimes have some identity crises, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's got like, you know, you start talking about instructional design, learning design, all these sort of words start to come together. And one of the areas that I've been particularly interested in is how we frame that. And so, you know, learning design is a very common term, but when we add that term environment in it, I think it emphasizes a very important uh, part that both leaders and designers have uh, in this context. So for one thing, uh, we can't... we can't directly design learning, and it's sort of a philosophical thing, right? You know, you can't do something to drive a certain result. Um, but if you think about this from the idea of an architect, so if an architect designs a building, they're designing that 
building to sort of support a certain experience that they're at. After, And that's the same principle that's working here. So when we begin thinking of ourselves um, as designers of learning environments, it actually broadens our responsibilities to probably where they should be. Um, in, in many cases, um, I, I've seen groups and, and individuals think about learning situations in silos. So things like I'm building a course or I'm building um, a set of uh, training manuals, or I'm doing a seminar. And those are all really good things. We may focus and deliver the best seminar out there, but if we fail to think about the broader environment that that seminar sets in, we actually lose uh, a lot of benefit, a lot of momentum to be able to help our learners transition and move what they're learning into practical settings. And um, so that that emphasis on the environment, I think, is so important um, that we actually probably don't see enough of in our field. Mm, that's great. Yes, that idea of kind of not thinking about just the discrete event, but the, the sort of overall um, environment in which the learning uh, can take place. So you mentioned that LEM has been out there in the world for a number of years at this point, you know, kind of the research going back uh, before 2010. It's been, you know, actively in use through ILED for at least the last couple of years. What have you learned and, and what, if anything, have you changed about the learning environment model? modeling as a result of what you've learned? Yeah, that's a great question. So, you know, I think in a broadly standpoint is we've learned that people need this, right? <laughs> that we've learned that people need a way to communicate to one another uh, about their their uh, their learning programs. And so, um, you know, I think we've all sort of been in uh, meetings or conversations where uh, maybe there's a lot of talking going on, but when people disperse, um, they they still have yet to figure out that sort of plan that they're going to pursue uh, together. And so um, by making, uh, we like to use the term taking what is invisible and making it visible, uh, by taking that process, we're able to help people really get energized and focused around helping others learn. And so we very much have seeing that there is a needed gap uh, in, in the field, that this is serving and, and solving a very important uh, a need for people. Um, you know, and so one of the things that we continue to see is sort of expanding the suite of tools that LIM is built upon. So, for example, in its very simple form, Farm, uh, LIM has a language we call it sort of five building blocks of learning environments. Um, but as we sort of expand from that, we start to say, how do we use those building blocks but frame it in a way that maybe help people align their curriculum to certain outcomes, whether it be revenue goals or learning goals or performance goals, those sorts of things. Um, or we might use those same building blocks to help us craft a broader strategy around organizational learning. And so in its simple form, it, it provides the accessibility for people to begin talking about it. But as it grows and as we, we sort of expand and the power of LIM, we can um, expand into very use of various tools that help help us solve some pretty important problems in our organizations. Mm, so it's getting a, a little bit more nuanced uh, as as you expand and begin to apply it to different situations. It sounds like that's right. And and so to, as a follow up to that, and I think you, you've already alluded to this perhaps in an earlier comment, but uh, you know just to make it clear, you know, do you see uh, LEM as working for all types of learning and kind of uh, being able to be used by all types of, of learning teams, uh, or are there uh, particular organization types or types of learning that it's more appropriate for, or more geared for? Yeah, we, we've actually seen really ubiquitous use of LIM across all sorts of different learning situations. Um, to the standpoint, of, of course, the the things we typically go to things like 
uh, courses or training programs or online learning. Uh, it works wonderfully for. Um, but as we get into other things, um, things like uh, marketing campaigns, for example, how you attract people, uh, at the very core things, those are learning environments. And that's mm-hmm. why that term, the environment, becomes so important because – you know, if a, if a company uh, is trying to launch a new product and uh, at the very sort of core of it is do people understand it and can they engage with it? Um, and what does that broader environment look like that helps their customers learn? And so um, it really helps us sort of reframe our role uh, as learning professionals, as learning leaders, and the role that we can provide to the success of our organizations. Mm, that's great. And yeah, we've definitely here at uh, at Tagoras, I know we've, we've talked and thought and written a lot about that, that link between, you know, marketing and learning. And mm-hmm. just with content marketing, you obviously so see so much of uh, that connection between uh, marketing and learning where that content marketing is often delivering something of value, which is very often a, a bit of knowledge, a bit of training, a bit of uh, learning. And so mm-hmm. that's great that you're seeing a use for LEM uh, in that arena as well. Yeah. One of the things that we've we've seen sort of in that to kind of expand on, on your thoughts there is that um, getting people to sort of expand beyond the idea that information equals learning. Mm. And and that's that's actually, a, you know, a, a false formula, right? There's a lot of other things that go into true learning processes. And so if we think, take an example like a content marketing initiative, right? Sure, we have to give them information, but what are some other ways that we can engage people at a deeper level, whether it be through a dialogue process or they be they're giving them practice with using a new product or service that we're trying to uh, uh, to share with them. Um, and so it, it helps by using those building blocks. It helps teams and organizations be able to think about that process of learning environments in entirely new and exciting ways. Mm, that's great. And I know another uh initiative that you have going on there at ILED at the Institute for Learning Environment Design is is that you have a credential. You have the Certified Learning Environment Architect or CLIA and that that designation is given to individuals who've completed uh, a certification process and that's focused on facilitating learning innovation. So what led you to create this designation and and how does it fit with with LEM and the other work that ILED is doing? Yeah, so so LIM is is infiltrated or incorporated in in the CLIA program uh, and the certification. Um, but the the real goal of CLIA is to encourage new ways of thinking about designing learning experiences. And and as I mentioned, LIM is a part of that. Um, but it goes even further than that. It goes into helping people um, sort of look at their own individual uh, sort of tendencies and their mindset around learning but helping other people around them sort of make that shift too. And so much like an architect of a, of a building is thinking about the experiences of others and how they design environments to support those, um, CLIA is very much a, a, cert, a certification program focused around those very uh, similar ideas and initiatives. Mm, that's great. And, and have you seen good uh, uptake? How long has the CLIA been in place? Has it uh, been out there for a while or relatively new? It's relatively new. CLIA um, is, uh, was, was born with the Institute, so it's, uh, again, about two years old, uh, maybe a little less. Um, and what we do is we typically offer it in cycles. So, you know, we'll offer uh, CLIA for a little bit, and then we'll sort of uh, we'll, we'll, we'll sunset it for a bit, and then we'll open it again. And so it's, uh, we've seen really great uh, uptake on it. Uh, we've certified 
close to 100 people um, uh, on this certification. Um, and they are out there actively, you know, working with others and uh, helping to sort of transform the learning experiences are out there. It's, it's a really interesting sort of exponential effect, uh, if you will, of, of uh, preparing others to really do that innovative work. Mm-hmm. That's great. And so to, to switch gears just a little bit, um, but I know that from the speaking and, and writing and the sort of thinking that I've been able to see that you've done, you know, I, I've seen you repeatedly stress that there's an important relationship between learning environments and learning experiences. So I'm hoping you could tell us a little bit about what you um, see as uh, that, what is that relationship? And and then what's the relationship between learning environments and learning experiences and learning effectiveness? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's great. So, you know, so when we think about um, environments, kind of going back to that term, you know, we interact with all sorts of environments every single day, right? And the design of those environments um, frame and shape our experiences within them. So um, if going back to the example of a, of a building, if we walk into a building um, and it's built with really narrow hallways, um, you know, we're, we're probably going to feel really closed in, right? Not very um, open to move around, that sort of thing. But if we walked in, maybe there's a lot of glass, there's open space, you know, it's inviting us to explore. That idea of the environment holds very true in learning situations as well. So for example, if I... Uh, we can all probably take examples where we had to take some sort of like compliance training. I call it click and twitch training, right? Where <laughs> you, 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 you click the, the next button, you sort of twitch having to go through it. And uh, um, that, that's sort of the same analogy as walking through a really narrow hallway building, right? It, it's, um, it, there's one path, there's one way through it, um, and you don't have a whole lot of freedom to explore. Uh, but if we, if we looked at situations uh, in, a, in a new way, right, we allowed adults the ability to explore new ways of learning, to explore things that are of interest and exciting to them, it, it gives us an entirely new way of thinking about the role that that environment has in shaping the experiences that we, the, the learning experiences that are there. And so, you know, if we, if we think about maybe the environments that uh, will take a physical environment to start with, like a classroom, right? If you walk into a classroom and the, the desks are all lined up in rows, that very much is framing the way that that learning experience is going to happen, right? It, it basically cues us and says, all right, my job here is to sit and listen. Uh, versus if I go into a room and it's maybe set up in different sort of configuration or uh, something that's a little bit, you know, more conducive to conversation, um, my cues going through my head are very much in that regard as well. That same thing's can be translated in an online environment. It can be translated in blended learning environments where we, we transition between those. Um, and it, it goes back to really understanding um, the, the, the role that the time that we, t- that we take in designing those environments and how they frame or shape the experiences. And, and sometimes it happens the way we think it does. Other times it doesn't. And that's, that's the process of design and iteration and innovation, right? Mm. Well, that's great. So, I mean, that very clearly, I think, explains that relationship between the learning environments and the learning experiences. And so then that kind of uh, follow on question then about, you know, learning effectiveness, where does that fit in? Yeah. So so I think, you know, when we start thinking about learning effectiveness, we have to also think about that there's, uh, there can be many different dimensions to effectiveness, right? So um, some definitions of effectiveness may be, uh, did the student learn and, and, you know, complete an exam successfully. Or another idea of effectiveness might be, have we grown 
membership or have we grown enrollment in a particular program? And so when we design environments, one of the element, the building block elements is that we call evidence and we call that evidence of learning. And it's, it's that idea of how clear can we get around the definition of what effectiveness is for that particular environment. And so, um, you know, what we've seen through our research and through the work that others have done is that environments that are well-designed and well-tuned uh, for a certain outcome, um, they, they've, it's been a very thoughtful and a, um, you know, process to be able to get there. And so those outcomes around the effectiveness are going to be much, much greater. One, because you know what the effectiveness goal is, right? To, you know, for the first start, you have a clear understanding of that. And then two, that you're able to sort of work backwards to help support that particular outcome or outcomes uh, that are around there. And so um, the effectiveness is is really critical um, to the design of learning environments and learning experiences, uh, but it's also a dynamic aspect that we have to think very carefully on um, and always go back to and sort of measure and say, are we, uh, is the environment uh, leading to the types of experiences that, that we intend for? Mm. That's great. It's an excellent point about that, you know, you have to be clear on what um, effectiveness looks like for a particular um, learning uh, experience, uh, learning environment. And then once you're clear on that, then that gives you uh, a lot more uh, possibility for actually tracking that, for looking for that evidence of, of learning as, as you talk about. Yeah. So yeah, I, we found that in working with, oh, go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to oh, swim. Oh, I was just going to add one thing is that we find that when we're working with uh, different uh, groups and, and clients and things, um, that when there's uh, an issue that in, is involved, right, a sort of a, a problem oftentimes or a disagreement, it almost always comes back to that definition of what effectiveness is. Mm. And, you know, and helping groups to sort of get to that consensus is, is, is really key. So. Yeah, that's that's an excellent point. <laughs> yeah, if you don't discuss it, then you you don't necessarily see the disagreement until you're perhaps pretty far down the design path. Yeah, you got it. Um, you know, one of the other things that I've seen you write about that I found really interesting is that you know you've you've argued that as learning technologies have been advancing and evolving, um, openness has become more prevalent. And so I'm mm-hmm. hoping you would talk a little bit about. Um, what you mean by openness in learning environments and what you see as some of the key benefits to openness versus a, a more closed approach. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so th- this definitely is an area that that I'm very excited in. And I think that our the environments that we work in um, sort of uh, guide us to thinking about this. And um, so, you know, when you think about environments, you know, you can have either a, a, a closed system or an open system. So, you know, like a closed system could be something where there's maybe a lot of ideas, uh, you know, flourishing about, but they're they're relatively contained within a certain uh, system, right? So that may be within a certain team or organization or, or something like that, or technology even. Um, so, then when you have the, the opposite of that, which is an open system, right, that you have new ideas, new influences, things that are being uh, incorporated in and merged and sort of, you know, supporting that innovation process. Um, and this, to, to me, this really goes back to that idea of, um, of who people are as learners, right? Um, by nature, I believe we're open systems, right? That we are sort of have these connection points to all sorts of different things around us that we can learn and, and be uh, intrigued with and excited about. Um, and it's that idea of if we're going to be successful at that lifelong, life-wide learning, our environments have to be more on the open side than the closed side. Now, 
I completely get that there are situations where closed learning environments are, are required um, for a variety of reasons. Um, however, by thinking about how we can include openness, right, new ideas, that, that uh, use of feedback with environments, um, I, I think we can really unlock some really exciting potentials. And, um, you know, pr- probably the best sort of example that I can think around this is when you think about like coral reefs, right, in the oceans. Um, those are very open systems. <laughs> you know, they, they have, they're teeming with life. They have uh, a lot of different things that are happening there. Um, and they're very diverse and they grow. And I think our learning environments have to value that diversity. They have to value that inclusion. Um, and when we do that, we actually support the process of new ways of learning, of that, of that learning innovation process. Well, so if, if people get on board with this openness and they want to embrace it, do you have any suggestions or advice about how an organization might think about either retrofitting um, existing learning environments and products and offerings or, or designing new ones so that they really do take advantage of, of openness? Yeah, you know, so I think the first step that organizations can do is understand what they have currently. And so one of the processes that we often guide our, our partners through is mapping out, we call it a diagnostic model, uh, mapping out what they currently do. And so if that model comes out and it, it's sort of looking rather linear, right, you know, uh, for like maybe a workshop or a training and you have a beginning point and an end point and everything is contained in that, that cycle, um, the next question to ask is, well, you know, how might we include uh, new, new or interesting ideas into this, right? So, for example, could you could you find some sort of a maybe a guest speaker or uh, an expert to come in and talk about a certain particular topic uh, that otherwise may have been delivered by a trainer or uh, delivered by someone who is facilitating the program. Um, that's a very sort of simple step that immediately begins to take what is often contained, the sort of like off-the-shelf stuff, um, and begins to really, um, you know, incorporate it with new and intriguing ideas, that openness, right, that hasn't been there before. So that's a, that's a simple way. But as we sort of grow in the, the, the way to do that, using technologies possibly that are um, that are open, right? That include more uh, uh, external connections to the environment. Um, that can be a really interesting way of expanding uh, openness as well in learning situations. Mm, yeah, it makes me think about the potential someday for something like XAPI and some of these technologies that can maybe help us uh, capture some more of the informal and even social learning that that, that happens and seems by by nature that informal and social learning are very open. Absolutely. And, and, and recognizing that, you know, what is a learning experience for one person may, uh, you know, environment may be framed very differently for another. And as you mentioned, technologies like XAPI, um, you know, and learning record stores and things like that give give us new ways of looking at these experiences um, that can be, um, can be not only transformative for the learners themselves, uh, but also for the organization organizations that are providing or supporting learning experiences. Um, you know, it's it's often just not delivering a product or information to someone. Uh, people want and they need experiences. And um, and so providing those environments for those experiences to happen um, can be a, a, a really exciting prospect for organizations who are, who are in that line of business. Mm, that's a nice point, right? The, the benefit to both the learner and then the organization offering the learning. So if we switch gears a little bit, um, and I'm 
want to go kind of big picture with the next question. And that's just to get, you know, your thoughts on when you look out there at kind of what's on the horizon for learning in general and, and maybe learning environment design in particular, you know, are, what excites you? You know, are there any big developments or changes that we think that you think we're going to see in the next few years or that you hope we'll see? Yeah. So, so I'll, you know, I'll sort of answer that. I think by a, a very common answer that we hear a lot of is one, I, I think uh, the use and application of data, right? And so, but, but I also want to drive a little bit deeper than, than just that. I, I think there's an important thing that really excites me around connecting data with design. And so what I mean by that is that we are collecting uh, more, collecting and analyzing more data than we ever have before. Um, the issues that I see sort of bubbling up, uh, if you will, is that we struggle with how to take those insights and move them into a design situation, right? So how do we actually uh, fix things or address things based on what we know now? And, and I think that we just, we have yet to sort of understand understand the relationships uh, in the design of learning environments in particular to be able to make those connections. And so for me, a lot of the research uh, that we are doing at at the Institute is really geared around that idea of connecting data and the design uh, process or design methods. And and I think that it's not only how we measure learning, but how do we measure learning so that we can influence uh, the the, uh, design and and ability to launch future learning experiences that are are better and more robust. And, you know, a lot of the so a lot of the critique that, that I tend to see around the use of data in learning is a lot of it is done what I call post-mortem, right? The, the learning has already happened, and so we're kind of going back and saying, well, you know, if we're predicting the, the, you know, the use of these sort of old techniques, this is what likely will happen. Um, well, if, if you're like me and you believe education and learning is meant to be a transformative process – uh, then I think we have to be able to think more along the lines of what is the the vision, the strategy, and the design that's going to help our learners take that next step beyond possibly what we have data for. Uh, but we can use data to sort of help inform what those trajectories could be. Mm. Yeah, that's a nice distinction that sort of uh, in addition to or, or a different take from the kind of predictive use of, of data around learner performance, it's around using it to to actually reshape that environment, reshape that learning experience. That's great. So next to last question, as we begin to wrap up here, and this is one that we ask of all of our guests on the Leading Learning Podcast, and it focuses uh, on your personal learning um, specifically and on something that you've done as an adult since finishing your formal education. And just would love to hear what's been one of the most powerful learning experiences that you've been involved in. Yeah, you know, I I think that broadly, one of the things that we have to do every day is sort of engage in new and interesting things. And probably one of the most um, memorable and sort of personally framing experiences I've had is actually uh, creating, launching, and growing ILED, the Institute. Um, you know, you, ha- you have to sort of think of the environment that I'm, that I'm working in as working for a university. We tend to think about uh, universities as serving, you know, your traditional students. Obviously, non-traditionals are becoming uh, far more of what we do as well. Um, but our, the focus of our Institute is really much broader than that. It's about making a fundamental shift and transformation for learning across all sort of uh, uh, learning situations. Uh, going, again, go back to that lifelong, life-wide situation. Um, and so it's, it's been a really exciting learning process for me to understand and help uh, 
our university grow and think about our role as a as a metropolitan and public university in this way, um, but also seeing the the experiences that we can learn from and grow from our our partners, our clients, um, and and helping them sort of co-create that learning experience together. Um, we, we like to sort of affectionately call ourselves a think and do institute, right? We we think a lot about the future, uh, but we we can't be sort of you know resting on our, our laurels that we can't do anything about it. We have to be actively involved in shaping what that future looks like. And so I, I believe that only that obviously means you know shaping learning experiences for um, for the the groups that we work with but it also means reframing and shaping our own learning experiences as a team uh, so that we can be ready for that uh, that really exciting journey uh, that makes a, a lot of sense that it's that that hands-on the the go and do where you're learning a lot uh, as you go and I like that idea of it's it's not just the you know not a think tank you're a think and do tank or a think and do institute That's right. Mm-hmm. So last question is if listeners want to know more about LEM or ILED or, or your work, where should they go? Yeah. So in the spirit of openness that we were talking about before, we have there's several ways that, that you can connect with us, and we'd love to encourage that. The first way is our website, and so you can go to iled.uco.edu. Uh, that's our website, our public website. You can go there. Um, I'd also welcome you to email me directly. My email is bdodd1, like the number one, at uco.edu. Uh, and I'm also on LinkedIn. I'd encourage you to, to connect with me on LinkedIn, and, and uh, we can connect that way. Um, there's, there's a whole host of ways to connect with us, and we would certainly encourage that. We believe that dialogue is so critical to the future of learning that, uh, that we are trying to work on uh, together. So we'd love that connection and collaboration with you. Well, great. Thanks so much for your time today, Bucky. I really enjoyed the conversation. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. That wraps up our interview with Dr. Bucky Dodd. To get show notes for this episode, go to leadinglearning.com slash episode 151. And while you're there, you're going to see various options for subscribing to the podcast. And if you're getting value out of what you hear, and if you're not already subscribed, we would be truly grateful if you would subscribe as it helps us to get some data on the impact uh, that we're having with the Leading Learning Podcast. We'd also be really grateful if you'd take just a minute to give us a rating on iTunes. All you have to do is go to leadinglearning.com slash iTunes. That'll put you in the right place. And so Lisa and I personally appreciate your rating and review, but more importantly, those reviews and ratings play an important role in helping the podcast pop up when would-be listeners are searching for content on learning and leading. So consider leaving a rating and review for the Leading Learning Podcast as one of your kind acts of the day. And we'd be grateful if you would take a little bit of time to visit associationsnext.com. Jeff and I put a lot of effort into the Leading Learning Podcasts, and we're able to do that in large part because of the support of sponsors. So please check out associationsnext.com. You're going to have a great chance there to learn and also to experience firsthand the Next Thought LMS in action. And last but far from least, please consider telling others about the podcast. You can send out a tweet by going to leadinglearning.com slash share, and that'll automatically pop up a tweet that you can just hit send on. Or if tweeting isn't your thing, you can take that language and put it into Facebook or LinkedIn, or you can just use the old-fashioned method of telling folks about it the next time you go to a meeting or next time you walk down the hall and bump into somebody, say, tune in to the Leading Learning Podcast. And thanks again. So we'll see you next time on the Leading Learning Podcast.